thank you for downloading this podcast from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number three, four, eight. Hallo und willkommen bei der Outdoor Show in Friedrichshafen. Everybody and welcome back once again. This is part two of a four-part series uh, recorded at Friedrichshafen at the trade fair, uh, the 12th of July to the 15th, 2012, which was last weekend as I actually record this. The podcasts have been broken into themes. Uh, part one, which has just been, is was about lightweight equipment. This one is flying the flag for the UK. It's all about UK brands. Uh, and the next two will be about US brands and then equipment related to longer trips. In this podcast, uh, we catch up uh, with old friends and also find out about um, some new ideas, uh, one of which is absolutely brilliant, a fantastic concept, uh, a not-for-profit way of moving on your old gear uh, to others who will appreciate it. Uh, so we talk to Sarah Howcroft about that a bit later on, which is uh, very, very interesting and uh, really needs to be uh, spread as virally as as soon as possible i think it's a great a great idea we catch up with sam fountain a good old sam from shiwi who most listeners uh, faithful listeners will remember started shiwi at the same time we started the outdoor station and backpacking light and so we bump into each other every now and again at trade fairs sam's always good for a laugh and she fills us in with some of the things going on behind the scenes with her business uh, then also flying the flag, we speak to Montaigne uh, about their new rucksacks coming through for next season, which we think will appeal to quite a few uh, quite a few people. Uh, but first, let's speak to Carolyn and Simon King from Mountain King Poles. Come on now, this is all about flying the flag. This uh, this podcast. They're a British company. They make um, the Trailblaze pole, which was probably the first lightweight collapsible folding pole, and they do it all in their factory in the UK. There's just a couple of them working really, really hard, and it was great to see them at the show. So we we caught up with them and uh, found out about the ongoing success of the Trailblaze. Well, the poles are getting some really good feedback now from um, adventure racers and lightweight users, especially the ad- adventure racers with Tour de Mont Blanc and uh, the Marathon de Sable. And we've just had some really good feedback from the Cornish Coastal Path race, which was 100 miles over 24 hours recently. Well, I know that um, having done adventure races myself uh, and uh, picked up some of the uh, conversation on the forums from America, uh, I understand that there actually is nothing in the rules that say you can't use poles. So uh, it's, it's encouraging to see that the European market has done to take that on board and obviously introduce that into their, into their racing equipment. Yes, that's right. There's no rules on who can use poles and um, previously people have been using hiking poles which they found heavy and more difficult to store away when they're running downhill when they don't need them so much. Um, what these poles do is they collapse into four sections which enables the user to just hold them in their hand or stash them easily in their back and uh, great success so far. Now you started with uh, just a couple of sizes um, and once again we've, uh, I've got the larger size for myself and the smaller size for Rose uh, but I see there's a complete range of sizes here now and, and colours. Yes, we've added some new colours this year, a bright yellow sort of for the adventure racing and um, some extra tall poles for the, for the taller user um, and uh, a few bespoke poles made for people who've contacted the factory direct who've wanted their own size making. 
the, the poles, you know, are, are, are flexible. They will flex. Uh, they will take a certain amount of strain, but I've fallen on mine and, and obviously put a lot of weight onto it. They, they will bend, but it's no problem with getting replacement parts for these, is it? No, we found so far the um, replacement requests have been under a dozen since we started making them, so we're quite happy with the quality and the strength. But if you are unfortunate enough to be like Bob and fall on your poles, we can send you a new section. <laughs> Oh, moving on, moving on from that. Well, thank you very much for that. One. Moving on for that, you're now looking at a further development, bringing in carbon, and and I understand there's there's a strength reason for this. Well, carbon's obviously got a much higher strength to weight ratio than aluminium will ever have, and what we've done is to incorporate the carbon as a laminate over the, the top of the aluminium tube. Um, to make a far stiffer, stronger pole. And we've just literally just developed this and now we're going to put this out for testing and see how it performs in the field and see if it matches our expectations and the expectations and the needs of the runners. From what you were saying earlier on, there's, there's not necessarily, people shouldn't think it's because there's carbon involved it's going to be lighter. But, but, but because there is a, an alloy carbon mix, it actually makes the pole a lot stronger and much more durable for somebody who's giving it a, a fair pasting on these races. It's definitely a case of the sum of the parts being greater than the whole. Is that the right way to put it? Okay, well, that's, uh, that'll get everybody thinking. <laughs> Is that the right way to put it? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, it, and, and are they going to be um, available in the same range of, of lengths? Uh, and I, I presume that no, there's only going to be one colour for them because of the, the carbon fibre. Well, carbon's got its own unique beauty, especially yes. woven carbon, and we think this adds to the appeal of the pole, and it is there for everybody to see and to to enjoy. The um, could you tell me what lengths are currently available and, and the sort of weights? The lengths that are currently available are 110 centimeters through to 130 centimeters in five centimeter breaks. And the weight ranges from 115 grams per pole to 130 grams per pole. And of course, as I said, we've make, we can make a bespoke sizes for people if that doesn't suit your needs. So is that the, the, the colour range we've got there? We've got uh, black, sort of a, a yellowy, uh, do you call that yellow? Racing I... yellow. Racing <laughs> yellow. Uh, MG blue then, I presume. <laughs> MG blue, yes. Grass green there. Grass uh, green, purple and... Uh, magenta. Sorry, magenta, yeah. yeah magenta. And, 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 and pink is a new colour for the, for the ladies for the current season. Or the men, of course. Do you, do you find, I mean, there's always been this thing about pink that uh, female athletes are always either terribly offended by it or actually really get into it. Well, actually, it was brought about because some athletes actually asked us for that colour, so we've made it and the feedback's been really good, so we're happy with that colour. That sounds good to me. So that's the, com- the complete range of poles with the, with the colours. Uh, any more um, sort of adjustments or additions to it? Well, we've been asked by some users to make a grip that's twice the length of the standard grip that we provide at the moment. So we've done that for individual users and we're also trying to bring that out into the UK. It's being sold on mainland Europe at the moment. Super. I suppose the final question is going to be really uh, the carbon pole. Um, there's going to be a lot of interest in that. So when do you think that's going to be available? Because I presume all these colours and stocks are available now, yeah? Uh, when's the carbon pole going to be available, do you think? The carbon pole, we're aiming to have this in the market for Christmas. That, that should meet the users who are doing the Marathon Disable 2013 or the races next year and are going to start their training towards the end of the current year.
And don't forget, everybody, uh, photographs and links and all the other exciting information, additional information you might want to find out about some of these uh, interviews can be found on theoutdoorsstation.co.uk underneath the appropriate podcast number. Montaigne is obviously a UK company, UK brand. It's done exceedingly well. It's really grown massively since 2004, 2005, and uh, nothing seems to be stopping at the moment. Chris Jackman is the Southern Sales Manager, and I asked him to perhaps uh, go through a handful of items which he thought would be of interest to our listeners. In particular, the uh, rucksacks, the current rucksacks they've got in the range, have proved to be exceedingly popular, so it's no wonder they've expanded the range. Just a quick reminder on uh, an existing piece in the range is the Event Air Jacket, which is a 300-gram jacket with one large uh, chest pocket on it, which will take an ordnance survey map, no problems. It's a good lightweight product for backpack, for cycle touring, for adventure racing market as well. Very good hood, wired peak, crown volume adjustment, decent sleeve length, movement and articulation, and a good scoop tail as well with a full zip at 300 grams, comes with a stuff sack, event, very breathable, very waterproof product. The 300 gram mark does seem to be the, the weight that everybody's trying to, to get below if they can do, but still uh, make a, a durable product. Uh, the Superfly was always a great, uh, a great product in your, in your product range. Where does this sit compared to the Superflies of this world? Uh, I mean, the Superfly uh, has morphed over the years and is nowadays very much a solid mountain jacket at the, at the 500 gram mark. Um, so air is, I would suppose, the modern Superfly. Um, and yeah, as a three-layer piece, getting below 300 grams is hard. Um, as you know yourself, the Spectus mock we can do at uh, sub 300 gram, but that's a very specialist piece. Um, the air jacket uses the same fabric as the Spectus mock, but it's in the more comfortable option of a full zip product. And as regards the actual um, uh, cut of the of the jacket itself, is it is it still fitting the traditional Montane athletic fit, or are you talking more of a general classic fit? The air jacket is cut on a. a a semi-athletic fit, not super athletic. We actually have uh, sort of four fits within our range now, um, which which we call athletic, active, classic, and mountain as a high mountain product. And all of our products fit within those four categories. And this would be a, an active mountain user, so it's not super skinny like the Spectus Mock is. No, definitely, I know that from the, when you put the Spectre smock on for the first time, you go, oh yes, this is a close fit. It's a proper racer's piece. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So just as soon as I get down to that weight, I'll be happy. Great, okay, well, so okay. Um, let's talk about 2013 then. I know you're very excited about this particular product. Well, yeah, um, as you were saying, you're, you're wanting lighter and lighter weight waterproofing products. We're using um, the Pertex Shield Plus fabric at the moment in the Minimus jacket, which is very, very popular. Uh, the version we use is a 20,000 hydrostatic head with a 25,000 MVTR. It's a PU hydrophilic lamination process, which means you get that such a great high waterproofing and breathable rating from a very lightweight product. Current Minimus is on the market, single pocket jackets, and that's going out at just over the 200 gram mark. But we've developed the new smock as an ultra lightweight piece for backpacking for very lightweight adventurists users. Um, we're looking in at the sub 150 gram waterproof jacket market now here. So pullover with hood, with a chest pocket, 
uh, at sub 150 gram mark, uh, and that's 20,000 hydrostatic, 25,000 breathability fabric. So it is classed as a waterproof piece for people who are doing adventure racing, and they have to wear a waterproof jacket with sealed seams, of course. Yes, most definitely. Tape seams, hooded, and passes the strictest regulations we know in the UK and throughout the rest of the world. Currently, the hardest one I know is the UTMB. Uh, regulation which states 10,000 hydrostatic head. That's the stiffest regulation I know for a waterproof jacket at the moment. And so this will be available presumably March uh, 2013 and do you have a price uh, on that at the moment? Yeah, the price on it uh, is £120 retail and uh, yeah, available from March 2013. Certainly looking at the display here now, uh, the established uh, rucksack range which you went into uh, for this year, wasn't it? 2012? Uh, yeah, we launched in uh, March 2012 with uh, four models, which was the Medusa 32, the Cobra 25, the Anaconda 18 and the Backpack 6. And how, how have they actually done for you? If, if, here we are, what, almost 12 months on. Uh, incredibly well, incredibly well. Everyone has been uh, absolutely amazed at how well they've gone. The retailers sell them well. Uh, the end users are having excellent feedback. They're contacting us directly and say that they love the product. So that's what you want to hear, and obviously from that you're now developing into 2013 and there's some very exciting packs coming through, so do you want to just talk me through what you've got in your hand there? Um, yeah, so uh, with the development of the pack range, we wanted to get into our specialist lightweight areas, so we looked at the three main markets we deal with, backpacking, climbing and mountaineering, and ultra-lightweight distance racing. Uh, so we've developed three packs based on that system. Uh, first one is the Grand Tour 55. Um, this is a sort of 1.3 kilo uh, delivered weight rucksack which can be stripped down by removal of back system down to around the 1.2 mark but we need to maintain comfort carrying so we haven't gone for the ultra lightweight rucksack here uh, you can put 15 kilos in this and it will carry incredibly comfortably um, good lightweight material specialist features running through are a low friction back system so when you're using this with our very lightweight waterproof products you're going to find that this doesn't give uh, too much abrasion to the fabric so you do find that we have problems with jackets wearing out too quickly and all of our bags have been developed with lightweight low friction back systems on them good supportive hip belt with large storage pockets on both sides of the hip belt there and they're made of stretch mesh so you can fit a lot of boiled sweeties in them if you want to um, the main bag itself is a lightweight 100 denier fabric and then on the outside we have two large stretch mesh pockets which can be used to store a wet waterproof jacket or a lightweight tarp or a lightweight fly from your tent um, and it keeps it out of the way of the, uh, the, the main kit inside. It would be worthwhile mentioning those two um, front pockets there or side pockets either side are accessed from the, from the front of the rucksack. You can't actually reach them as you're walking so they're, they're definitely zip closures uh, and, and as you say mesh that then protrudes either side of the pack which keeps things out of the way of the of the central closing strap yeah yeah they're not designed as a kind of uh, sort of water bottle pocket as it were we do actually have those on the sides of the bags well, right. so you do have a drop stash which you could fit in a sort of one litre Nalgene option if you wanted to or something like that um, on top of that yeah you've got stretch um, you've got compression straps yeah, you've got side compression straps on both sides. Uh, the top one is a, is a clip release, and then the bottom section, we're actually going to be running a system here. It runs through inside the pocket, and we're going to do a little clever adjustment where it actually can run outside the pocket as well as inside the pocket. So it, it will be changing from the sample that's here in front of me. 
but uh, it just means that you could get quite a large item strapped to the side of the bag if necessary. The, I suppose, classic person who won't give up the foam mat maybe, um, compared to the more modern ultra-lightweight airbed systems that people are using. Or some people, in fact, uh, will split the tent and put the tent either side of the pack as well. Yeah, yeah, um, it's um, just to give you versatility of loading up on the outside of the bag for the uh, the start of the big long trek when you can't get everything in, most definitely. Okay. Um, the main bag, uh, obviously, obviously it's a 55-litre single main compartment uh, with a double draw cord closure system. It's got the same Montane closure system that works on all of our bags. It's very easy to use. Um, it's just a, a, a simple operation. You don't have to awkwardly shove your fingers into the little draw cord holes and tiny little draw cord systems it's something that works when you've got gloves on in cold conditions when it's wet and horrible and it's easy to use which is nice and simple down inside you've got a hydration bladder system and then also it's a zip access to remove the rear back system harness uh, that you can just save weight if you want to take that out as it were. I suppose from experience though some people might actually remove the backstay system there and replace that actually with a sleeping mat I mean all the hydration slot itself runs the actual full width of the bag and I think that's the most important thing to mention because some of these hydration slots are literally just as wide as a, as a platy would be which uh, are not very useful but you can actually use that for storage of other things as well. Um, yeah no problems at all in uh, using it uh, in that method I mean with the back system in place, you do have uh, a stiffened aluminium bar and HDPE sheet in the back of the bag. Um, if you remove that, obviously, it won't be as comfortable if you're carrying heavier loads. That does give good support to the bag. One thing of note on it that we have kept as a permanent feature is there's actually a, an alu- a, a lightweight aluminium stave running across the top of the bag in between the two top tension stabilisers. That is not removable, and that is to maintain the actual stiffness of the bag and to make sure that the top tension stabilisers stay effective if you remove the back system. Right, right. And even if you did move the back system, the foam padding that is touching your back uh, is still obviously in situ, so you still have a double layer as such. Do you still have that, that protection, first of all, before you have the actual uh, stay system? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, throughout the range of, of our rucksacks, we all have the, the, the fixed back pad with the low friction material and the air channels, and that cannot be taken off. That's, that's part of the design concept that we stick to, is contact with our product, our waterproof jacket, any other person's waterproof jacket. We don't want the clothing wearing out too quickly, and therefore that is a, a key feature across the range. Okay. Um, the main lid pocket, uh, we actually call it a buddy pocket system, and it runs throughout all of our lid closure rucksacks. It's um, on the outside of the bag, on the back of the bag, rather than up against your neck, but it does give a very large, easy access storage. And because of the shape and the design of the lid pocket, when the bag is on your back, if you want your walking partner to uh, go into you, your top lid pocket and get something out for you, it's very easy to access. Everything doesn't fall all out all over the floor and uh, it's just a simple way of doing it that's why we called it a buddy pocket it's kind of yeah the americanism term but uh, yeah your friend can go in and and get things out of the lid pocket nice and easily for you Um, also inside you have an internal zipped security pocket on the inside so so underneath the hood itself underneath the the top pocket section itself there's still a second zipped area which I presume that's where you put your wallet or valuables yeah inside there you've actually we give you a little key clip Um, and yeah it's just something where it's, it's less easily accessible uh, to keep some secure items inside the bag. 
Um, just finally, before you close that down, I noticed there's a, a clip here at the top of the uh, the backstay. So is that allows the yeah, a, a, a stash um, strap? Is it to? Um... It's an overload strap. Um, main reasons, obviously, again, starting off with all your extra food and water inside the bag, extra clothing if need be as required. We just put a strap in, and that will help pull the top of the bag in. Right. Um, but then also at the same time, you can overload it as required. If you do overload it, the lid, we actually have stretch side panels on the side of the lid. So rather than have an extending lid, which adds weight, we actually just have a stretch section, which means it would stretch over any extra equipment that you've strapped onto the top of the bag still. So that's the, um, the backpacking, I suppose, the 50 litres, pretty well the, the right ideal size for most trips. Uh, then you're looking at something new here, which is a, more of a 22-litre adventure racing pack sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, 22-litre uh, ultra tour bag, as we've called this one, um, is designed mainly for ultra adventure racing, mountain marathon market. But there's no reason why you can't use it as a lightweight day sack or a, a lightweight single overnight trip quite happily. Um, but the features are aimed towards the multidisciplined mountain marathon adventure racing market. It's a very lightweight back system. Uh, we use uh, a soft mesh. Again, low friction is high importance. We've reduced the amount of foam padding in the back, uh, but uh, it is still the same low friction material that we use throughout the range of our packs. Hip belt, lightweight stretch mesh with uh, two large zippered pockets, great for energy gels, compass, uh, and lots of easy access for, for storage for your sweeties. The uh, chest harness system running up through the shoulder straps is again stretch mesh and on top of the shoulder straps you have options to store water bottles gps energy gels on the shoulder straps as it were um i said the one shoulder strap's actually got a, a stretch pocket on it for uh, i presume gps or phone to to drop in there and, yeah. it, and it obviously got the whistle and so on on the chest harness no you uh, no whistle. no whistle no whistle on the chest harness our, our chest strap system on all of our bags which we we've, we've launched so you can you can see this at the moment already um it's a single-sided buckle system which means that you don't have the standard twin side release in the middle of your chest this can apply pressure onto your sternum feel uncomfortable um and so all of our bags we use a, a system that clips onto the side and it's very simple to do one-handed you can undo it very easily just by pulling the little tail string and then it clips in in place it's a lovely little lightweight system and it means that you don't have a great big hulking piece of plastic just sticking into your sternum while you're walking along okay um so on from the back system we're moving into the main body of the bag we use um, again stretch mesh side pockets onto the uh, the side parts of the rucksack itself designed to take water bottles any overloads as required there's a stretch mesh back to the bag as well so again stashing extra clothing or, or equipment can be done on the back of the bag uh, we've got uh, daisy chains down either side that will have a bungee cord on it so again that will be used for overloading or also for compressing the bag and making it smaller uh, we've got twin ISAX walking pole attachments of a lightweight variety, twin side compression side straps in a V format. Um, but the interesting thing about this, which not many people do in this type of market, is we actually do a roll top. So think dry bag systems. Um, having the roll top system, it's easy, efficient, it's secure. It does help keep water off, but the bag is not seam taped. It's not a waterproof bag. Okay. Roll top closures give you easy access. A lot of bags in this type of market tend to be zip closure uh, if a zip blows while you're in the middle of a race your, your kit's going to go flying everywhere and uh, a roll top closure is nice easy quick and efficient and act, act, it's just very easy to get into um, so simple 
roll top, you can overload, you can underload the bag as much as you require. And you have the option of clipping down at the sides, nice and simple, or at the same time you can just clip it round like you would your normal dry bag systems. And that leaves the two spare bits of strap that you have to use as a further extra overload compression strap over the main part of the bag. Very nicely thought out with the male and female clips then all complementing each other. That's good. Um, yeah, all of our buckles, um, very simple system. Um, I suppose there, there is that sort of keep it simple stupid. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, what we've done with all of our buckles is they're fully reversible. So a lot of buckles on the market, they actually only clip together in one way. So yes, you have a male and female but the male and female are shaped so that if you twist a strap or something, they don't work, whereas all of our buckles work whichever angle you twist it in at. So it doesn't matter if you have a twisted strap and it's dark and you haven't noticed with your head torch on. Um, if you get a male and a female part of the buckle, they will clip together. Nice, nice thought out. Yeah, like all Montane stuff, well, well thought out from the design stage. So these two, I presume, are going to be available at the same time as the jacket, and can you give me an idea of price? Yeah, uh, again, launching March 2013, uh, the Grand Tour 55 is um, £120 retail, and the Ultra Tour 22 is £65 retail. You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk award-winning producers of podcasts to inform, inspire, entertain and encourage people to enjoy a healthy outdoors lifestyle. If you have any feedback, questions or suggestions, why not drop us a line directly to our email address, info at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Here at the 2012 Friedrichshafen Show, I'm very pleased to find a, a small stand which uh, regular listeners will know very well um, over the years, Sam Fountain from Shiwi. Uh, we met Sam when she first started the company, uh, just at the time she uh, went on Dragon's Den in about 2005. And we've seen her every two or three years at various trade shows and listened to the development of the, the company and the products uh, in that time. So once again, we're talking to Sam. It's now been two years we've just discovered since we last spoke. Uh, and we're interested to see how things have developed, how the product's developed. Hi, yes. Yeah, we've come probably quite a long way in the last two years. We're um, now pretty much in all of the outdoor stores in the UK, bar Ellis Brigham. So if you're going to Ellis Brigham, please ask them if they stock Shiwi. Yes, well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've changed the basic Shiwi. We just had a nice funnel before in the five colours. And we've now got the Shiwi Extreme, which well outsells the basic Shiwi. And the Shiwi Extreme is a Shiwi funnel with an extension pipe. Why do you need an extension pipe, I hear you ask? So that when you're wearing winter clothing, or salopettes, or bulky clothing, or a skirt, the Shiwi Extreme has a longer pipe. So it means you can get through your clothing and out the other side. It's more practical, obviously. It's much more practical. And people tended to just want to buy that straight away. And it comes in a handy case, which fits in your bag. Three colours, pink, green and white. So the pink one is for girly girls, maybe nightclubbing, dirty toilets. The green one is technical, outdoorsy girls. And the white one might be for your mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Sarah, you, what, your sales uh, lady here was telling me about the... Uh, the you're actually into the military now, bought it in a big way. Yeah, the military have really taken it on board. They're loving it to go with their new garments. So they've got bulletproof pants, bulletproof trousers, bulletproof everything. Um, you might think the girls aren't in the firing line. They're not, but you might get the medics who have to walk along a path that's been checked for landmines 
But the funny thing is, no one really wants to wee on the path. So you tend to stand on the path oh, and put right. your bottom on the bit that hasn't been checked for landmines. And men will stand on the path and wee probably where a landmine is. Now, you see, that's very good. I would <laughs> never have thought about that. But there you go. You've obviously researched this. It's just natural human instinct. You don't wee where you're going to walk. Yeah. So the, this new underwear has been developed with a fly-in. So it's blast-proof clothing but up until now it may sound crazy the ladies stuff didn't have flies in it so they had to lower their pants and as they lower their pants they squat they squat a landmine so it's casualties have gone down 90 percent well that really good clothes that's incredible and it's great to have a backstory to it as well the reason why you know it's one of those things just well a guy would never think of because we're built we've got the accessory already built in but the packaging everything sort of changed and moved on and you know very 2012 yeah it's much much more funky outdoorsy when we started we tried to have one packaging for everything so whether it was medical or outdoors whereas now because we've grown because we've got the funding because we've looked at our market research we've got the outdoor stuff versus the medical stuff so it's very very different now and we're able to put the development into the areas that that's needed so we've got another product coming soon for the outdoor industry which is a pouch 100% compostable so you wee in it and if you happen to keep it for two weeks which I'm sure you wouldn't it would you could put it on your compost it would start degrading within two weeks Um, if you wanted to eat this thing it would be safe so really good for the environment rather than the nappies and the pots and the plastic things and the pee bottles you find on the mountains it won't happen if someone dropped one of these things it would degrade probably within a year but at least within two weeks it would start that's that's good i mean for example did you know mount fuji is known as the pink mountain oh no because of the toilet paper on it oh that's disgusting so yeah that's why and we're manufacturing in the uk as we manufacture everything in the uk yes so there's no shipping costs from China, which helps us, helps everybody else. So we're quite excited about that. We hope to launch that for autumn, winter 2012. Um, and we'll also go to the baby market for that as well. So not just the outdoor industry, so boots and the supermarkets. OK, so this is obviously the, the European or mainland European, should we say, main show. Um, and obviously I've been familiar with you and I suppose most people in the outdoors probably have seen the Sheweed name, logo or, or heard the story. Um, how, how are the sort of, you know, the mainland European customers, the people that are passing by here, how are they taking to it? I'd say 50-50 not knowing what it is. We did think maybe nobody would know what it was. We haven't had many um, British people passing. So we had a lot of Swiss obviously a lot of German because we're in Germany um, and quite a few Americans uh, really really good response so even the people who don't know it straight away actually maybe I've heard oh I must they must because they're getting it they must have heard of the concept because five years ago when people hadn't heard of it they didn't get it so these people it must have trickled into their subconscious somewhere that it's okay for ladies to stand up and go for a wee so pretty much all of the distributors that come along have had an inkling of interest. They do think, oh, God, if I did take it on, how would I do it? But we've got all that support now in nice big distributor packs, which we've spent a lot of time. And we very much hand-hold all of the retailers now. We have retail pages in different languages to say, if a customer says this, say this. If a customer says, oh, how does it work? This is how you can say it in a fun way. And we back up every country so the ones we're doing at the moment are Australia, New Zealand uh, UK we're doing really well with our PR so we send famous people Ashimi whether they're somebody who's going to climb Everest or whether 
it is Davina McCall because she's going to row the channel. We send them a shiwi and they pretty much tweet about it. Twitter is our... We've trended on Twitter twice in the last six months. So it's just an amazing tool. It's free. We only have to send a shiwi. Um, well, did I did I hear or did I see it was on either the one show or the um, uh, what was the, the, the other show the women uh, the lunchtime show? Oh, loose women. Loose women. Yes, it was on both actually. It was on uh, on the one show because of the channel rowing and they they were linked up with Sports Relief. Um, and then loose women they were chatting about dresses that they were wearing. I think it might be the Oscars or something like that. We didn't expect them to use it in this context, but apparently you get these dresses off in the toilet and then you can't get them back on. So if you don't take them off and you use a shiwi, oh, you can wear the tightest dress and look really hot. But quite often, apparently, they've got into the loo, taken the dress off and then gone, I've got to go home now because I can't get the dress back on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the things you learn, the things you learn. So, you, I mean, you've had uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of coverage and certainly we've seen a few things and you've got a few things in front of you here. T- tell us some, uh, some interesting stories. Well, the recent story was with um, US Today. So a, a US newspaper had a story about how female soldiers need better health care. They're not hydrating enough. If they're not hydrating, they get tired, they lose concentration, they can't do their job well enough... And that's a problem, <laughs> big problem. Um, and they mentioned shiwi in the article. So the US soldiers want shiwi. We do supply small quantities to them already. We've got some discussions soon, so hopefully it will become almost as a matter of course. They get sunglasses, they get goggles, they get shiwi. Because if they can hydrate, then they can do their job. Absolutely. Um, and the other good ones we've had recently, we've had... 8 out of 10 cats so they had that on as a bit of a humorous thing we send them to a lot of comedians comedians love it they shout about it <laughs> which is all good in our in our mind um, and we're going to do car fest with Chris Evans so we've offered car fest I don't know if you've heard it no no what's that um, it's a new festival over the summer Chris Evans on Radio 2 decided I want to put a festival on for charity team set it up in 40 days team oh how are we going to do this so a lot of people were offering free services and we've offered our shiwi idols, so ladies who idols, to help with obviously the toileting issues. We'll give away free shiwi whilst we're there and we're planning on doing a world record attempt of getting the most people standing up having a wee at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, that's got to be a good PR stunt. <laughs> so that should, be, that should be good fun and obviously Chris Evans will hopefully shout about it on video too. <laughs> yeah, well that's right at Chris Evans' street, isn't it? That's brilliant. Well done. Well done on that score. So, I mean, you know, we've known each other now on and off for about seven years or so and, and sort of watched each other go through our various changes. Uh, I'm sure people would be interested to know because there's a few forums at the moment discussing this about um, setting a business up in the outdoors and being an entrepreneur as well as, as, as well as sort of having a design idea or a concept and trying to get it to market. You know, how would you describe the, the last seven years from your point of view? Has it been a really hard struggle? I mean, you've got a great team with you now. What, about five, six staff? Yeah, there's, there's probably there's eight of us in total, but we all work part-time other than two. Um, because you're all obviously parents. Yeah, all, yeah. all parents, so it's great. We can work flexi hours, fit in around the school holidays. As long as we get our work done, it, it works for all of us, which is brilliant a brilliant model and I'd recommend every company do it because you get the best out of your staff we're all happy we'll get to do what we what we want to do and that is work hard but also be with our families yeah. frustrating about the recession I think shame because we've grown really well since we started in 2005 but maybe we could have grown faster or bigger or better but we have grown and we are making a little bit of a profit we just keep investing really so that we can grow and grow and grow 
So, um, yeah, I don't know how we would have done in other circumstances, but I think definitely worth, if you've got an idea, just get it out there, because people want new stuff. They want to buy something that's new. That's but has, it been, has it been a tough trip? Would you describe it as a tough, tough journey? Well, I guess because I'm running my own business, I feel that it is tough, and I don't know any different. Sometimes I do think maybe I should go back to being employed by someone, but fun, so not all hard and I've got I think I've found really good team I haven't ever gone to look to recruit if someone's come along and I've thought I could fit them in that role I've grabbed them so I haven't ever thought now I need this I found someone just through networking or friends of friends and then said hey do you fancy coming to do this and everyone said yes (laughs) and the next step presumably I hear you going to the the US and hopefully picking up some distribution there yeah we hope so we're hoping I've just met we're part of the OIA, Outdoor Industries Association. Um, just met them today, and they've said that they can help find us some distributors in the USA, or if you wanted to go to Bulgaria or wherever, which would be a great tool because you can Google these things to the ends of the earth, but you don't know whether they're recommended, whether they know anyone. Yeah, yeah. So there's an outdoor show, um, Salt Lake City, the that's, end of that's, January. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm hoping we'll go to that but having already met some distributors through Skype or, you know, online verbally, and then we'll go and meet them at Salt Lake City and see if we can get a UK, a US, sorry, a US person there without maybe having to spend out on the cost of a stand. Well, congratulations. I mean, we'll hopefully catch up with you again in a couple of years' time when you've got a slightly larger stand, which indicates the success keeps keeps growing. Or I've sold it to another brand and they've just got it. Well, you're in the right place to think that. Yeah, and I'm just outside in my helicopter visiting for fun. (laughs) (laughs) This next interview with uh, Sarah Howcroft... Uh, came about uh, in the press room, uh, which is the reason we're talking very, very quietly. Um, I happened to overhear a conversation she was having with somebody else, uh, and the content of which uh, stimulated uh, stimulated my interest. Uh, it's all about recycling your old outdoor equipment. And uh, as we as we chatted, you know, it's true we all have the same uh, same relationship with our gear. I know we do. I do. I, I mean, it's people I speak to. We all do. You know, you yearn for something. You save for it. You you lust after it. You you bought it. You use it. You enjoy it. Um, you have a relationship with this equipment. And sometimes uh, when you get rid of it or you, you need to move it on and, and you know, lust after the next item, uh, selling it on an, on something like eBay makes you feel a little bit dirty because... Because the people that are that are buying it are not necessarily as into the subject matter as you are. Um, so what Sarah's done is put together uh, a fantastic website, RecycleOutdoorGear.com. So I took the opportunity there and then to ask her all about it and how the concept and the website came about. Incidentally, Sarah is uh, well known in the outdoor world. She was one of the uh, original co-founders of Rowan Outdoor Gear. So uh, she's, uh, she's well known and well respected. The whole subject of sustainability within the outdoor industry um, has interested me for many, many years. Um, 
and um, I feel that one of the one of the best things you can do for the industry is to actually do something, um, to, to get it out there and try it and um, and just see how it works. Um, and this recycle outdoor gear was was exactly that. It was an effort to try and um, put something into the marketplace that people could use with ease to see if there was a um, a need for it. And it's proof that there has there is. So people want to find ways of reusing their gear, um, creative ways that um, that they can they can actually do this low cost free. Recycle Outdoor Gear is a free service, so um, and it's dedicated to reuse of outdoor gear. That's all outdoor gear: clothing, footwear, canoes, bikes. In fact, on the website, you'll notice it said everything as long as it doesn't have a motor or isn't a weapon. From the conversation we've just had, you sort of started this with expecting one type of interest, and you, it's developed very rapidly into a series of interests, I understand. That's correct. Um, when I started it, it was very much a buy-sell plat- platform to facilitate the buying and selling of outdoor gear. What's become apparent is that there is quite a need to swap outdoor gear. People are very interested in that whole concept. Maybe they've got a bike and they'd like to swap it for a canoe or whatever. Um, and the other um, side is donation, which is potentially quite large. Um, people are, in many ways, are quite emotionally attached to their outdoor gear. Um, and I'm quite sure that there's an awful lot piled up in the world. Um, and they don't really want to um, sell it. Um, because it doesn't bring quite a nice feeling, um, but they would be very happy to donate it. But I think that to be able to offer them a one-to-one donation service, i.e. they could donate it maybe to a local group or a national group or, or, or out into the charities we all know well, is quite a powerful thing. It's a choice. Where would you like to donate this garment to? Um, and I think that's quite powerful, and certainly the um, in the initial stages of this have proved that that is so. There's certainly a, a definite ethos. I think there was a run through the outdoor industry or the outdoor average outdoor user that I've met is that, as you quite rightly say, they've definitely got an interest in the environment. But um, because equipment generally is something you lust after a long period of time and you save for it and you you research it and analyse it and so on. I mean, I'm exactly the same as I'm sure of many people that you'd like to give it to somebody that's going to get some use out of it, but also appreciate it. Um, and this, you know, the, the, the feeling that immediately from this is it's completely different from the whole eBay ethos. It is. Um, it's, it's completely free to start with, um, but it is very much driven by the, the user base, the people that use it. Um, and obviously in, in that it could go in any direction, but um, the direction that is, is being demanded um, is obviously this donation and, and wanted as well. I mustn't forget the wanted section that if there are groups or, or individuals that particularly are searching out a particular product, then you know, the, ROG is a good medium to search it out and find it for them as well. So there's another area where it can serve. Mm. The, the community groups then that, you sort of, uh, that have come on board, mm. um, how have they, they found you? Have, they, have you done some PR and, and got the message out or have they stumbled across you as it were? Um, but the short answer is no to PR, um, but word travels quite quickly. Um, and this is this 
this whole platform is constructed to actually spread word quite quickly. So obviously to take make the best of the search engines and all the rest of it. So if people are looking in that area that you know they might want to donate something or what's the potential for them, they will find this. Um, and so that's that's how this is structured. And obviously word of mouth as well. Once people use it or have knowledge of it, they want to talk about it. So the other area is word of mouth, which has been quite powerful for us as well. I was at a talk earlier on today, uh, although it was predominantly aimed towards the sort of German and, and mainland Europe market, and it was saying just how much of a struggle it is, um, as we know, I'm sure all of us really, to rejoin young people uh, back to the outdoors and the experience, and, and that it isn't fearful. But of course, as, as we know, certainly from these sort of shows, um, quality equipment is expensive and especially with a uh, Duke of Edinburgh group perhaps who are not from an affluent background or, or um, community groups where they're wanting to get people and, and experience these things this, this must, must touch a very raw nerve Yes, one of, the, one of my own hopes with this is that we will be able to provide very very good gear to young people Obviously, one of the big things about youth is they haven't got a lot of money in general. Um, here is an opportunity to actually provide them with the experience and joy of having really good gear that's less money, um, and that's fantastic. And that could, A, help you know, um, change their lives. They could um, have, a, have the experience of using good gear and um, what it means and all the rest of it and cement them in the outdoor industry for the rest of their lives, um, which would be a fantastic thing to do. And how are the, how, how's the industry taking it? Uh, the, 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 there's the industry associations and also um, presumably there are, there are manufacturers that have old stock or, or whatever. Are they getting involved as well? interest I think at the moment it's a case of talking um, I think that you know the manufacturers have various different ways of dealing with all that and it's very individual to each company how they do it um, I'm very keen that, that that Rob can serve them in some way or other um, so I'm at the stage of talking to them at the moment so who knows how that'll go but yes there is potential there definitely but, but you've had endorsement from the outdoor industries association yes. Yes, which is very valuable um, and, you know, very appreciative. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully that will um, help to pass the word. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the OIA see it as being a very val- potentially a very valuable um, service for their user base, which it is. I mean, it's, it's one of these very rare things that is of tremendous use for the people but also of great use for the user base, for the, um, the industry as well, the manufacturers and retailers within the industry. So it's quite a rare thing. That, and I think in that it is um, of great value to the outdoors in general. Um, and uh, it's, it's non-profit making, isn't yeah, it? Let's make that quite clear. There is no money. There is, there, no money changes hands at any stage with this at all, completely transparent, nothing. There is no money at all. Um, and that's how I want it to remain. Okay. I understand, I mean, the words, the, the, the ball is rolling or starting to roll fairly rapidly and it's picking up speed. I understand you've, you, there's other websites now in, in France and America. Yes, through, the French um, connection is through the OSV, which is a similar organisation to the OIA, UK, OIA. Um, and they have a, taken the same approach. This service would be very useful for our members. Um, 
that's both trade members and the, the French consumers as well. Um, and then the American one, which I've just started, is based on just my own keenness to, uh, to, to try it in America as well. So uh, that's where we are, that's where it is at the moment. Excellent. Well, I wish you well. It's, it's been marvellous just to overhear your conversation and bump into you, but I think it's a, a, truly, uh, a truly excellent um, concept, mm-hmm. and, and I really hope people consider it with their, their well-loved equipment. Yes, well, thank you very much for your time. And once again, everybody, don't forget that all the links, if you've missed them, or emails, uh, or additional photographs and additional information can all be found on the outdoorsstation.co.uk. And this brings the podcast focusing on UK brands to a close. And it was good to see that uh, things were looking fairly positive, uh, even under the current climate, uh, in the European market for everyone involved. So well done to them for making the effort and uh, flying the flag. Uh, the next two podcasts, uh, which will be coming from Friedrichshaven, uh, one will be based on US brands and actually contains an interview with a product which I think was the total star of the show. Uh, but more of that, obviously, in the next podcast. And then the last one will be based on uh, equipment relating to longer and more remote trips. So, until next time, folks, once again, you have my terrible German accent. Auf Wiedersehen! Dank Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear more from our extensive free library, please visit the website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. The home of UK-based audio and video podcasts for outdoors people everywhere.